Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Praise Him. Maybe look at the person next to you and shake them a little bit and say, you're alive. That means God is good, all right? God is good. You're alive. You got one more day here. You're responsible for this day. If someone shook you and they looked at you and they said, today's a good day. You're alive. I have good news for you. You're responsible for this day. You're responsible for what you do. You're responsible for what decisions you make. You're responsible how you react to the gospel, to Jesus. You're responsible to his death, burial, and resurrection. We are responsible today before the presence of the Lord. How many of us can say yes and amen? Amen. Happy Easter, and that's why we're here. We thank you for coming. If you were invited, thank the person that invited you. Hopefully, at the end, you can say, thanks for inviting me. Hopefully, it wasn't a bad experience that when you leave, you're like, I don't know if I'll ever go there again. But happy Easter. As Vanessa, who was up here earlier, said, we'd love to see you again. Not next year. We'd love to see you again next week. All right. I thought I was going to get a few amens on that one. But what a day today is. This is a day in which we, as Christians, we commemorate all around the world, right, the resurrection of Jesus. And it's a happy day. You may be here like, well, it's not that happy. I was messing around. Someone walked into church early. We got here real early to, to get this day ready for you all. And just to be ready before the Lord. And someone walked in and just to mess with them, just to see the reaction, they said, good morning. And I said, well, what's so good about it? What's so good about it? And they said, my goodness, that's a great Easter welcome. But today is a good day. And it's really good for many reasons. It's a happy day. It's a day where many fancy themselves up. Many take pictures Today's a good day. People make plans to see loved ones or maybe spend a meal together. It's a time which kids are playing and families are united. And for this day, this day, the quality of time is cherished. It's a happy day. Someone say it's a happy day. It should be a happy day for many reasons. And when I end my conversation with you, I hope you see why. So here is what this is titled. My talk with you our conversation today, it's called this, Oh, Happy Day. I know, you all went straight to Whoopi Goldberg into Sister Act, because I did that. I was actually going to play you a clip of it, but I said, ah, we don't have time for that, because I'm sure all of you already have that picture in your mind. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed. When Jesus washed, he washed my sins away. Amen. Oh, happy. Right? So we don't have to play the video. You have a pastor today that is off rhythm and off beat that will do it for you. Oh, happy day. It's an interesting title because today, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, we're in a series in our church. And this is going to be part three of our series, and it's a series that is titled Painful Purpose. 
I know you came to Easter and you came dressed up and you probably have plans after this. And you didn't think that today you were going to come in here, in here and I was going to ask you this. But if we're really honest, we've been saying this for the last two weeks here. Every single one of you, of you walked in here. But you are very aware, accustomed, and you can relate to this word called pain. Yes? You've had pain in your life. Maybe you're currently have go through, going through pain in your life. And if you have never had pain or you're not going through pain, you most likely at some point will enter a moment of pain. We've talked about in the last two weeks that pain is not necessarily a bad, a bad thing. Pain is an indicator that something's wrong. Pain is an indicator that something needs to be looked at. Pain is not always a bad thing. We've discussed that pain can be turned into purpose. All over scripture, we see that. And painful purpose. How do we grab a painful purpose and turn it today to, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. As we've been discussing pain into purpose. We have been discussing all of this in, in, with different avenues, but this is a great season of the year, right now, this moment, to remind people, to remind them that their pain is not their end. I, I want you to know something today because you got invited maybe and you're here today and now you're stuck here because it'll be really weird if you just stand up and walk. But since you're here, I want you to know that whatever pain you carry, whatever pain you've been holding, whatever pain has been disabling you, that pain, that pain, whatever it's called, wh whoever they're called, whatever her name is, his name is, their name is, whatever its name is, its image is, the picture that came up to your mind when I said pain in your life, that pain is not your end. Because then... Why are we celebrating resurrection today? Jesus had a pain. It was a pain that his back was beaten bare. A pain where they made a crown of thorns and rammed it through his skull. A pain where they mocked him and they put a sign on the cross and they said, Hey Israel, what? Here he is, the king of you. On the cross. A pain that they mocked him and spit on him and beat him and they ripped his beard off. A pain that when he asked for something to drink, they gave him vinegar. Jesus knew pain. And in that pain, he died. And in that pain, they buried him. In that pain, they put him in a tomb. But that pain in Jesus' life was not forever. That pain in Jesus' life was for a moment. That pain in Jesus' life was not his end. That pain had a purpose. And on the third day, we hear about it, and it was to bring forth his resurrection so that all that is dead and suffering can live and have life again, have breath again, have hope again. So if you're here today and you carry pain, I have really good news for you. Today is your oh-so-happy day. It's a happy day. There is a better day for people. If they're struggling, it's not over. If they're lonely, it's not over. If they've experienced failure, it's not over. There's a better day for them. And if you can relate to this, there is a better day for you. And that's what resurrection means to us. That's what it does to us. That there is joyful, there is a joyful, and there is a happy day. So I want to get into this scripture here. It's in John uh, chapter 16. Moments, moments before Jesus' arrest and betrayal that leads him ultimately to the cross. 
he has a conversation with his disciples that has been recorded thankfully for us to read and to us to know about. And it's a beautiful conversation that Jesus has. I'm talking about moments before his betrayal. Moments before Judas kisses him with a betrayal kiss. Moments before he's arrested and taken to illegal trials and scourgings. And moments before he's about to have the worst day of his life on the cross. And here's what the conversation sounds like. Enjoy with me. It's found in John chapter 16. I'm going to start off in verse 16. And look what Jesus says. He says this, In a little while you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. When you read a scripture like that, you probably, just like I did, said, what? In a little while, you will not see me anymore. But in a little while later, you will see me again. It's a very confusing, confusing statement if you just read it like that and not really go deep for what it is. So confusing that if you keep reading verses 17 and 18 of John 16, you'll see the disciples' reactions. It says that they started to ask one another, what is he talking about that we see that we're not going to see him for a little while and then that we're going to see him again? And they were so like confused. They didn't understand what was going on. They were so confused that verse 19, Jesus sees them and he brings them to him and he says, hey guys, and look what he says in verse 19. It says he realized that they wanted to ask him about it. So he comes up to them and he says, are you asking yourselves what I meant? Jesus being Jesus because he is funny, has a sense of humor, and he has a way of saying things. Guess what he does? He just repeats it again. And he says this, right after he asks them, are you confused? Do you want to know what that means? And they're like, yes. And then he says, I said, like they didn't hear him, in a little while you won't see me. But a little while after that, you will see me again. You could almost picture the disciples. Thanks for saying it again. Appreciate it. I heard it the first time. I got it. In a little while, I won't see you. But a little while after, I'll see you again. He doesn't end there. He recognizes that they're confused. He sees that there is a lot going on in their mind. And in verse 20, he unpacks what he means and he says this I tell you the truth you will weep and you will mourn over what is going to happen to me when the video was showing and you heard the the nails cling cling going into the wrist of Jesus when you saw the blood dripping I heard right where I was sitting some <gasps> I heard some gasps I heard some someone it impacted them and it was just the sound of it and Jesus is saying, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn over what they're going to do to me, what's going to happen to me. But look what he says next. He says, but the world will rejoice. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. You read that and you're like, okay. Still a little uh, hard for me. And now he's going to do what he does great. He's going to give them an analogy. He's going to paint them a picture. He's going to say, let me tell you what this, is, what this is going to be like for you. For you women that have been pregnant and have given birth, you know maybe somewhat of the picture that Jesus is going to paint. And he says this in verse 21. It will be like a woman. A woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born... Her anguish gives away to joy because she's brought a new baby into the world. So you, talking again to the disciples, 
He says, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And when I see you again, this is what he's saying, then you will rejoice. And I love, this is my favorite part of this whole conversation. Here it is. I'm about to say it to you. I will see you again. Then you will rejoice. Then you will have joy. And here it is. And no one can rob you of that joy. It's something that I'm going to give you. And when I give it to you, no one is going to snatch it from your hands. No one is going to be able to steal it from you. No one is going to be able to take it from you. How did I start today's service? We all have a responsibility. It's going to be about what you're going to do with the joy that God's given you. Some of us have turned joy into bitterness. Some of us have turned what? Joy into death. Some of us have grabbed joy and threw it under our bed, put it under a bucket. But it hasn't been snatched because the resurrection has not been erased. Jesus died. His blood runs rampant still today. The joy is still overflowing. If you put the joy away, if you've hung it up in the closet, if you put it under your bed, if you gave up on it and retired on it, it's time to pick up that joy again because I believe in the word of God and it says that no one should be able to rob that joy from you. He's talking to his disciples and he's introducing a moment of pain and he says, when you see what they do to me, you're going to cry. It's going to kill you inside. The world is going to rejoice and sing songs, but you're going to weep and grieve. But you're going to see me again. Maybe you didn't hear me, but you're going to see me again. When I die on the cross and they put me in the rich man's tomb and everyone whispers in your ear, he's dead, you're Messiah. Everything he taught you, all the miracles that you thought you saw. Oh, when they tell you those lies, remember these words. You're going to see me again. You're going to see me again. It's not a maybe. It's not a let's see what happens. It is a promise to the believer that you will see Jesus again. Oh, but you don't know what's happened to my family. Oh, but you don't know what's happened to my children. Oh, you don't know what's happened to my health. Oh, you don't know what's happened to my business. Oh, you don't know what happened in my neighborhood. Oh, you don't know what's happening to me as we speak right now. No, I don't. But I do know that the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. And today he looks at you and he says, find joy. You will see me again. You will see me again. It's not your end. It's not your forever. There's not a period there. There is a comma and there is an et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is, to, uh, there is a to be continued because this man who is perishing, this man who is wasting away, this man who every day he takes a breath, it's one less breath to eternity, one day I will resurrect. And guess what? I will see Jesus again. And that's our promise. That is the promise of the believer. That is the promise for every single one of us. This passage is such an interesting passage. It can be taken to focus on a few things. They would be filled with sorrow, grief, pain. Pain would consume them. But he tells them it will be turned into joy. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed. I said, when Jesus washed, he washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. 
Come on, feel that in your spirit. Feel that in your heart. He says it will be turned into joy while you are sad, while you are weeping and grieving. The world, yes, it goes on and it seems to be rejoicing. But all your sadness and all of your grieving and all of your tears and all of that pain suddenly will turn to wonderful joy. It is a joy that is so established that no one can rob you of it. So I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask it to you today three times. When I give it to you the third time, you know I'm wrapping up the service. Here's the question, the first time I ask it to you. Are you ready? You're not interacting. I told you this is not a preaching. This is a conversation today. Here's the question. Would you want a joy that no one or anything can ever rob from you? I want you to answer that. I want you to be responsible with that question. The last few weeks here, we've cried a lot. The last few weeks here, we've had some deep conversations here in this church. But I'll be the first one to tell you that I want a joy that no one or anything can take away from me. I want that for me. And you know what? I know God wants that for me. That's going to be the first time I ask it. But I want you to be responsible with that question. What is your answer to that question? I really hope that by the end of the service today we could answer it and commit ourselves to the Lord. Listen, you may have sorrow now, but I will see you again, he says. And what does he say when I see you again? Guess what he says next? Then, then, then you will rejoice whether it's Christ's resurrection on the third day, the disciples rejoice to know that their leader, Messiah, is alive just like he told them he would be. Or whether it's their own resurrection to eternity in which they will rejoice when they are eternally united with Christ. At the end, when they see him, there will be joy forevermore. And you may feel right now in this moment, there's a reason why you're here at this church to hear this exact specific message. Here it is. You may feel like the world is moving forward. Like the world is rejoicing and rejoicing in their own way and in their own iniquity. You may have felt sorrow, grief. You may be familiar with pain, all kinds of hurt, all kinds of confusion. But Jesus says, you will see me again. And though the world rejoices, I need you to listen to this, though the world rejoices and you may grieve, suddenly, the word of God says this, not me, suddenly that grief will turn into wonderful joy. All I can think of when I say something like that is, oh, what a day. What a happy day. It's like a woman that has to endure through the pain of child labor. To then give birth, to fix her gaze on such a blessing that all her pain and sorrow is forgotten because of the joy that is before her. That's how it's going to be like. And even way much better than that. It falls short, but he gives us a picture of what it's like. I don't know. Never gone through that. My wife has. I haven't. She could probably share it with more detail than I can ever share it. And so it will be. 
that when you pass through the belly of pain and you enter into the gaze of Jesus, your day will turn into a happy day, a joyful day, because your eyes have seen the resurrected king that has resurrected you. I'm going to ask you a question for the second time today. We're going quick. I have it one more and then we're done. Here it is. Would you want a joy that no one or anything could ever rob from you? See. See Jesus today. See him today. And he will turn whatever day you are in into a happy day, into a joyful day. Easter resurrection is a reminder, is a reminder that you can see Jesus again. And seeing him is, seeing Jesus is knowing joy. If you've seen him, then you know joy. If you thought you saw him and you don't have joy, you probably didn't see the true Jesus. But you'll know joy. I would like to read a part of scripture that could be the greatest prophecy in the Hebrew scripture. It's found in Isaiah chapter 53. And the prophet Isaiah writes about the Jewish Messiah, the Jesus that is to step foot on earth. And it's a portion which is known as the suffering servant. And this was written, which is, which is really interesting, some 600 to 700 years before Jesus ever had this conversation with his disciples. 600 years before Jesus' earthly ministry is recorded in the New Testament. Some six to 700 years. And yet look at what the prophet Isaiah says hundreds of years before. I'm going to read Isaiah 53. And let's start off on verse 3. Ready? He says this. He was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him, and we looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness, our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us. Everyone say all of us. Yeah, all of us. When I'm reading this, I hope you didn't say, he's definitely talking about my husband, finally. He's definitely talking about, no, it's all of us. The prophet is saying all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. But yet the Lord has laid on him, on himself, the sin of all of us, of us all. And he was oppressed and he was treated harshly. Yet he never said a word, and he was like a lamb to the slaughter, a sheep 
which is silent before his shearers, and he did not open his mouth, Scripture says. I mean, I would have said a few things already by this time. How many things would you have said already? Unjustly, he was condemned. He was led away, and no one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone. And he was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Here we are today. It looks like Jesus has many descendants. Scripture says that he is the firstborn of what? Of many. Guess what we are? We are the other that were born now. That with the same spirit we cry what? Abba, Father. We are the descendants of Christ. So look what Scripture says. It goes on, he says, He will have many descendants and he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, because of his pain, his pain turned into purpose, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. And I'll give him the honor of, victory, of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels and he bore the sins of many and interceded for these rebels. The rebels are you. It's me. It's us. The person that did this is Jesus. And Isaiah is so eloquently speaking some truths that today are still ringing. Today have st still have weight that today still speak of the person of Christ. He was wounded for my sins, yours, our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of peace was upon him. Yes, yes, Jesus, the Messiah, was struck. He was smitten. He was afflicted. But now the prophet explains why and in this chapter he says it was for you Rigo. it was for you nest church it was for you the one that was invited it was for your transgression it was for your iniquity it was in our place that the messiah suffered and went through pain he was wounded that word wounded literally means pierced through you've ever been so wounded that you felt it pierced through you he was pierced through physically and all kinds of way emotionally. He was pierced through. And we see on that cross as Jesus is there, was there. I'll say it again. As Jesus was there. On that cross there was a partnership that was going on. It was a partnership between God the Son and God the Father. And they were going to make it happen for all humanity. Thank God that they went through with the plan. Thank God that the enemy's hand is too weak to confound the plans of God. Thank God that man's wisdom falls short to disturb the plans of God. On that cross, Jesus the Son and God the Father had a perfect plan that was rolling and that was put into place. Jesus Messiah and God the Father was working it out. Wounded for us, for our wrong, for our sin, for our sin. The Father laid on him all of our wrong and all of our sin. 
And he judged all of our iniquity, my iniquity. And he laid it upon his son, Jesus. Son, it's all on you now. I started today's, because we're, we're going to wrap this up. I started today with saying you have a responsibility. And so did Jesus. So did Jesus. He's on that cross. And you can hear the father saying to him, it's all on you now. You need to go through with the plan. We know that it was so much pain and so much anguish that on the cross, Jesus says words of what he was feeling inside. My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? It was not because the father stepped away from his son, not for once. No, 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 do not believe that. It was because of the sin that he carried on the cross that had my name on it. It was too much for the father. And scripture says that where there is darkness, light cannot be found. And the father could not take part of that. And for that moment, for the first time in the son's life, in Jesus' life, the father had to turn his back on the son and say, it's on you now, son. You do it. And the moment that the father looks at him and says, it's your turn, and turns his back on him, he hears, the father hears the cries, father. Father, he's like, yes, I'm here. I wish I could say, I wish I could go down there. Why are you forsaking me? I'm not. But this is your part of the plan. It was an encounter that was happening. A plan that was moving forward. Because of what he carried was all the, my baggage. He put Jesus to grief. Jesus was no victim of circumstance or the mercy, not in the mercy of any political or any military power. It was the planned, ordained work of the Lord. It was prophesied by Isaiah hundreds of years before it ever happened. This was God's victory. It was not Satan and it was not man's victory or triumph. It was the victory of God. Working together, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, working together to save you and me. To show you his love. To show you, oh, happy day. Charles Spurgeon, who is known as the Prince of Preachers, I quote him a lot, and I'm going to share with you a quote from him. He says, he has poured out his soul unto death. And I will say no more about it, except that you see how complete it was. Jesus gave poor sinners everything. His every faculty was laid out for them. To his last rag, he was stripped upon the cross. No part of his body or of his soul was kept back from being made a sacrifice. The last drop, as I said before, was poured out till the cup was drained. He made no reserve. He kept not back even his innermost self, he has poured out his soul unto death. John chapter 16, Jesus' own words, come on. In a little while, you will see me again. You will weep, you will mourn, you will have grief, but suddenly it will be turned into wonderful joy. You will have sorrow, but I will see you again. And then you will rejoice and no one will be able to rob that joy from you.
I will see you again. Inside of you should be leaping up an oh happy day. Oh happy day. When Jesus washed. When Jesus washed. He washed my sins away. It was an oh happy day. It was an oh happy day. My message, my conversation to you is oh happy day. Hey guys, I know you have plans today. So I want to start my message now. (laughs) So I could get to the third question. I want to ask you the third and final question today. The third and final question. I didn't give you three points, four points. I'm giving you one question three different times. Here's the question. Would you want a joy that no one or anything could ever rob from you? What's your question? If your answer is yes, I needed to be here today. See, see Jesus again. Maybe you're here like I haven't seen him in a while. It starts to, it's time to start seeing him again. Amen? Amen. So we're going to close up. I don't know how many years ago I did this. Forgive me for not knowing how many years ago. But I shared a quote from an unknown source. I think I shared it on an Easter service years ago. So for those that have been here for a long time, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I think I remember when you said that. We don't know who said this, but we know that Paul Larson, he writes it in his book, Wise Up and Live. And I want to end with this as you answer that third and final question. I end with this. There may be another Homer. There may be another Virgil. There may be another Dante. There may be another Milton. But there will never be another Jesus. Whatever surprises there may be in store for the world, Jesus will never be surpassed. He is the goal of all goodness, the summit of all thought, the crown of all character, and the perfection of all beauty. He is the incarnation of all tenderness, the focalization of force, the manifestation of might, the personification of power, the concentration of character, the materialization of thought, and the living illustration of all truth. He is the prophecy of man's possibility. We behold him, and in him, we see the realization of all human expectation. He is a leader greater than Moses, a priest greater than Aaron, a king greater than David, a commander greater than Joshua, a philosopher greater than Solomon, a prophet greater than Elijah. He walks like a man. He talks like God. His words are oracles. His acts are miracles. The crown of divinity rests on his brow. The scepter of universal dominion clings to his hand. The eternities flash in his eyes. Eternal rectitude is written in his face. The smile of Jehovah transforms his countenance. 
He is the express image of his father. Children cluster at his feet. Womanhood instinctively places the crown of purity on his brow. The winds obey him. A glance from his eye and the crystal waters blush to amber wine. The dead forget themselves and live. The lame leap for joy. Ears which never heard, which never heard thirst. Thirst, they thirst for the very sound of his voice. And slightless eyes deny their past and open their drooping lids to the beauty of his presence. Pain, pain is palsied at his touch. It vanishes. The name of Jesus stands alone. And God has given him a name which is above every name. No creed can contain him. No catechism can expound him. Flesh of our flesh. Very God of our very God. To be a Christian is to live in Christ. Unto him be glory, dominion, and power forever and ever. Amen. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed. He washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. I want you to close your eyes there for a moment. And as we close off here, I want you to think about your day. We're done. I asked you the question three times. But now, now it's all on the line. Now it's you and God. This is the most important part of your day right here. Right now. This is what... This is it. Many of you have answered that question. You say, yes, yes, I want that joy. Then the answer is C... See Jesus again. So whatever day that you are in right now, I want you to meditate. And like the movies do so good, you know, when the character's life is flashing through the movie screen and you, and they do that so that you could see the thoughts that are going on in that character's life. Oh, this is what he's thinking. So it flashes all these important parts of his life. I want you to have that experience right now. Let your life flash before you. The good, the bad, the mountaintop, the valleys, the pain, the joys. You're picturing all those things. But we started today by saying you have a responsibility. And today... Where you say, I'm going to commit myself to the Lord. I've walked far away. I'm going to run back to him. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, I've never ran to him. But today I come to this person that I've come to believe is my Lord, is my my Messiah. It's my Jesus. I run to him today because he forgives me of my sins. And today he could turn my day. Because of his forgiveness, because of his redemption, salvation, he could turn my oh-so-sad day into an oh-happy day. And I long for a happy day today, a joyful day that can never be taken from me. With every eye closed, meditate right there where you're at. If that's you right there, 
Can you open up your heart? I'm going to do this with all reverence today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to do a head count. And I don't want to say, wow, 15 people raised their hand. Today was a successful day. Wow, everyone came up to the front. Surely, surely Jesus was there. I'm not against any of those things. But I think that the greatest altar that could be opened right now is not this altar up here, this platform. The greatest altar is the altar of your heart. So right there where you're sitting, if that's you, can you open up your heart? And as we close off now in prayer, can you start praying to Jesus? There's nothing here that I could give you. There's nothing here I could do for you. I can't sprinkle. I can't say. And my hands can't do much for you. But I believe that Jesus knows your heart right now. He hears your cry right now. He knows your thoughts right now. And right there where you're at, can you open up the altar of your heart and say, Lord, I place myself on the altar. Take me. Take full control. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me and purify me. Make me whole. I receive you. I accept you. You are my happy day. You are my salvation. I repent of all sins, of all wrong. I thank you for resurrection, for it resurrects me. Lord, accept me in your presence today. Come on, start praying that prayer. And before you leave today, there's people with church shirts on. You can't miss them. Or you could come up to me, come up to one of us and say, hey, today I accepted Jesus. Today I asked Jesus. Today I reconciled with the Lord. And we love to pray for you. We love to have a talk with you. But you could do that with any of us, any of us here today. But it's not my responsibility to do that in your life. It's between you and him right now. What are you going to do with your responsibility? Commit it to the Lord. Come on, pray into that. Lord, I thank you because I believe that as we're closing up here today, I believe people are making commitments. I believe hearts are being drawn to you. I believe that there's hearts that are repented here today and that have truly said, forgive me of my sins. And I truly believe that though I have not tallied them, I believe heaven has tallied them. And I believe that scripture says that all the angels, when one man gives their life to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice. And I believe today that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because there's a man and there's a woman that is here today that has committed their life to you and all of heaven hears about it. And today you rejoice with gladness because they saw you again. They see you again. And they are your sons. They are your daughters. You are their God. I pray that you would do a miracle. I pray, Lord God, that as they're praying this prayer and they don't have a church, we tell them, Lord God, with all grace, welcome home to a family where they could grow in. Not perfect. Many problems in this place. Oh, my goodness. But do we love the Lord? Yes. Do we keep his word pure? Yes. Lord, if it's not here that they would find a place and run to a place with a community that they could grow with and be rooted in so that they could live in their happy day with you. 
I pray that you would bless them. And for the believer that's here, that's been walking with you, that you would encourage them and strengthen them, that they could know that their pain as well is not over, it's not their end. That there is a happy day, and that there is a joy that is for them, that cannot be robbed, taken from them, and that they today could be encouraged and blessed in your presence. Lord, we thank you, and Lord, we give this day to you, for you deserve all the honor and all the praise, because many have come in the name of Jesus, and many have died to say they are God, and many have given their lives to say they are Messiah, but there is one that has resurrected and sits at the right hand of the Father, and no one can contest with him, and that is the one that we believe in, that is the one that we are rooted in, and that is the one that we lift up. And scripture says that if we lift up Jesus, all men would be drawn to him. It's in your name, it's in Jesus Christ we pray. And together here we all say, Amen and Amen. Church, guest, family member. Oh, happy day! Oh, happy day! Come on, I'm off tune! When Jesus washed! When Jesus washed! He washed my sins away! Come on, can you stand up with me and let's give him the greatest honor and glory and praise. Let's give it to Jesus. He's so worthy. God bless you guys. Hey, we like to do this every time we end. We say uh, one phrase, three words. And maybe if you're from our nest, you could help me. Maybe we have someone here that's for the first time, someone that hasn't been here in a while and they forgot. One, two, three, you are loved. Amen, you are loved. Hey, make sure you eat some food. We have a lot of food out there. Take some drinks and make sure you take your pictures. We love you guys. I'll see you here, not next year. I'll see you here next Sunday. God bless you.